did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard III. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once, damn it. Now look at me, look at me. I can't go out there and I won't say that stupid line one more time. I can't, I won't. Well, Alex, at least you had a part. Okay, you had a character people loved. I mean, my TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. No one even bothered to ask me what I do on the show. You had the... Wait, wait, I'll think of it. I repeated the computer, Fred. Whew! Your commander is on deck. Ha-ha! <laughs> wow, that's smogest thing today, huh? We're too late for Alexander's panic attack. Everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That's what it is. That's, That's what the show is. is. <laughs> I, you know, there's there's a lot of new people here, and you know we're we're trying to be accommodating, but what you have to understand is that this is the show <laughs> about movies. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people who have been asking us, why don't you talk about this topic? Why don't you, you talk know, you about? You never talk about pizza. Why don't you, you talk never about... talk about food more broadly than that? <laughs> Why don't you talk about uh, clothing? Clothing. Why don't you talk about skateboard. Well, we have talked about skateboarding. We have talked about skateboarding. <laughs> we probably actually have talked about all of these things before. But yeah, but we're just it's saying the it's the show, show about movies. That's correct. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of new people are here because they want to hear about this great movie we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've never heard the show, what you have to know is that we don't talk about it first; we talk about it last. Yeah, later. So listen to now what we're going to talk about. <laughs> This is like the beginning of WTF. It's the part that you skip through. Yeah, yeah. What's, what? <laughs> Did you ever listen to that show? Yeah, I love WTF. Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, I used to love it. I don't think I've listened to it in years. But I mean, like, during its, like, yeah. rise, it was, like, one of the fell best. Off. Well, it was, like, one of the best <laughs> podcasts during, like, its first two years, maybe. The problem is, it, like, the falling off isn't that it, like, you know, degraded in quality or anything it's just that he like ran out of people to talk to that he had like old beef with oh yeah because that's what made the oh, show really yeah. good was that it would be like you'd be going in between like a random comedian who he'd have like an annoying conversation with about like you know who are your guys and whatever <laughs> and then there'd be like someone who you like like dimitri martin for example and they'd share some tale of like old New York comedy where Dimitri's like, yeah, you know, like I remember I was standing in the back of the cellar re- getting ready to go up and really psyching myself up. I was brand new there. I'd never really played there much before. I was really nervous. And then you came up to me and you looked at the skateboard that I had ridden there on. And you said, you know what? I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> what a and it really fucked me up and it really scared me. And I, I bombed that night. And, and they would like have like a reconciliation and they'd be like, you know, I'm sorry, man. I was like going through some shit back then. <laughs> and it just like seemed like everybody in New York comedy had some version of that story where Mark said something like intense and mean to them. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like an alcoholic. Yeah, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. Now he's then, uh, now he's a sober, intense guy. But he was like a sober and int- like an intense, sober guy, like when the show started. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he was like not a. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I did listen to that episode with Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. because I was a fan of Louis C.K. 
um, but not any other reason. Like the really right. long one where they talk about their when they were roommates or something. Mm-hmm. That was interesting, just because you know it was a it was an interesting perspective to come at for an interview. Right. But I never thought he was a particularly good interviewer. No, he's a like, bad interviewer, but he's <laughs> like the but he's like the godfather of like this type of show. You know, like the like. All right, we can give him credit. There's like a uh like a you know, there's a before Marin and after Marin way of interviewing where like after Marin you have these interviews that kind of meander and go wherever the fuck they go and they're just kind of conversations and like before that you know like if if we were doing balling out for example like before Marin we'd be only talking about Dragon Ball and we'd be like really strictly talking about Dragon Ball we'd <laughs> never have like stupid conversations about nonsense. <laughs> you think he like really opened up the doorway for that? I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything because I don't really remember. I I know I was listening to podcasts back then. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to podcasts like in 2008 and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, like shit like Doug loves movies and like how did this get made and stuff I didn't like, that, like that. Where I they'd was, be like goofy and they'd be funny, but they'd really stick to the premise. <laughs> I was always like, why would you want to hear people talking? Like I wanted, I liked Radio Lab and like all like the really high produced like right, learning yeah. stuff. And then I listened to this right wing economist podcast called Econ Talk, mm-hmm. um, just because I wanted to know what these people thought. Right. <laughs> um, and that was like very in depth interviews, but like very was I didn't listen to just people bullshitting. Right. Um, until I realized very funny comedians were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um. And that I feel like that didn't really start until Marin, right? Yeah, Marin was like Marin was definitely like he broke the seal on it. There were comedians who were doing that style of show, but it's like it's like the looseness of Marin is really kind of I think what made it so important at the time. Mm-hmm. And now it sucks. Now, like pretty much after Obama, it's just like you should have just stopped. You should have stopped <laughs> well, the show. Well, it's over. I did the you president. You can never. Yeah, you're never going to top that. Like you know, you're always you forever going to be like. He absolutely could have if he invited Trump. That's true. <laughs> that's true. The Marin, <laughs> the Marin Trump would have been something special. <laughs> <laughs> just like interrupting Trump yeah, over and absolutely. over. He's like, excuse me, excuse me. No, it's my show. It's my show. <laughs> Although I'll tell you what, I also would love to hear the Marin Bernie. That would be incredible. Oh yeah, he could have done stuff, but he didn't. I well, feel did like you ever listen like, like the Marin uh, Gallagher episode where like Gallagher <laughs> walks out on the interview? No. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's one of the like craziest ones because Gallagher is just like he's so demented at this point in his life, and he's like his brain is just like mush, and he's like he's talking about like how he hates his opening comics who wear t-shirts on stage. And he's and Marin's like, well, you were, wear a T-shirt on stage. And he's like, different. yeah, but I've earned the right to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point he just is like, you know what? Are you just going to challenge everything I say? And he like walks off. And <laughs> it's just like it's a really funny like little line where like Marin genuinely just goes like, oh, come on. Don't walk away, Gallagher. <laughs> oh, come on. And then you just hear him say to himself. Well, I'm not going to chase him. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Yeah, it was a different time for podcasts. And then Mm. there was like Todd Glass Show and Professor Blastoff with Tignataro and stuff. Like I I liked some of those early. But I liked when they were like just being funny. Like Mm -hmm. the concept of someone who was like just being funny for an hour and like wasn't trying to say anything or make any points. Well, that's why Um, nobody nobody will publicly talk about this. But like everybody knows that Cumtown is like the 
best it, podcast? It, it's it's the <laughs> podcaster's podcast. Even if you as a fan of podcasts don't like it, you have to understand how much of modern podcasting has been shifted in the same way that Marin changed podcasting, Cometown changed podcasting. <laughs> And we're all kind of, I feel like we're all in some way or another, like, always striving towards the come town model of, like, don't talk about anything for an hour. Just talk about <laughs> absolutely nothing for an hour. But I think, I think the problem is that it, it has, it's sort of, come town is sort of the nirvana of podcasting in mm. that they hit, like, this perfect balance and they're constantly funny and they never do anything that, like, is just awful. Like it's always right. pretty entertaining. And like they spawned a generation of people who think that they are as funny. Right. And they just like can get on stage and say things are gay. And that is as funny. Absolutely. And it absolutely is not. And there's yeah. like so many guys just doing that now. And mm-hmm. it is horrific. It's a whole genre of Twitter guy. That's just yeah. like really, I really think insufferable. I think I'm Nick Mullen. And it's like, no, you're not Nick Mullen. You're Nobody's Nick Mullen. Nick is barely Nick Mullen. Like <laughs> it's so rare that somebody is Nick Mullen. <laughs> I mean, I've known guys who are that funny. Like Nick is yeah. a type of guy. Right. Like he, you know, and I feel like some of them just don't have even the wherewithal. Like <laughs> a lot of the guys I knew growing up who are that guy, like don't even have the energy or confidence to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like it would be so much work and strength and like mental effort to get on a mic and just like be funny for right. an hour that they're not going to do it. There's tons yeah. of people who could do come town, but they're like mentally ill. <laughs> and he's like at the balance <laughs> where he actually makes it happen. He's just barely there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's on a tightrope constantly. Um, But anyway, Anyway. like we said earlier, (laughs) this is is not a show about (laughs) podcasts, okay? This is a show about movies, and you need to get that through your head, okay? (laughs) You all need to understand. Listen, look look me in the eyes, okay? Stop thinking it's about podcasts or anything else. It's about movies. It's a show about movies. Mm -hmm. It's a simple premise. So what did you watch this week, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. I've actually been watching a ton of shit lately because I'm I on... I watched um, one movie that I want to talk about. I, I'm on leave from work right now. And um, so I... I Like, I'm I'm watching Nico most of the day. But there's uh-huh. this one, like, really sweet spot where he has, like, one long nap. And <laughs> most of his naps during the day are, like, pretty short. They're, like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. And you, you know, go, like, wash the dishes or you go, like, clean something or whatever. And then you come back and he's up and you, you play with him again. Sure. This is one that's like just long enough that you're like, I mean, what else am I gonna do? <laughs> I guess I'm gonna watch a watch an old movie. Can't get anything done or anything. Yeah. So uh, two things I want to talk about this week. One of them is I. So I saw the story, and we're gonna talk about this in the bonus episode. But I saw the story about the Snyder cut getting accidentally <laughs> leaked uh, via yes. Tom and Jerry. And so as uh, you know, just to see for myself. Uh, the day that that story came out, I I clicked on Tom and Jerry. Oh yeah, and I watched the first like two seconds, <laughs> and I was like, oh this uh, doesn't look good. So uh, <laughs> it's I not turned Justice it off. League. Yeah, it's, this is not this is not the Snyder cut. Uh, I'm turning this off. So I turned it off, and then the the next day during this movie break that I've been taking, uh, <laughs> I pulled up HBO Max and I saw the Tom and Jerry thing again. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's give it a shot. I mean, when am, when am <laughs> I going to watch, watch anyway. something like this? And like, I like animation and I like this sort of thing. And, it, you know, it's like a Roger Rabbit type of thing. It's like it's, you know, right. live action people and then cartoon animals and whatever. Uh, I So I watched it 
And God help me if this was not the worst way I've spent an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes in years. Damn, um, like that bad. It's really like unreasonably bad in every way. And what sucks is that it's like, it's uh, even in the ways that it could have been good. Like, obviously, it wasn't going to be a good movie. I think sure. we can all we can all agree when you pull up Tom and Jerry, you're not looking at it like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this movie. I'm going to have fun. But like, at least you're hoping the animation's going to be good. Like there's going to be some good gags, maybe right. like some fights and stuff. Nothing. They barely <laughs> fight each other. They barely do any Tom and Jerry hijinks. They're barely in the movie. Like there's a good, really? like there's good stretches of the movie where it's like, you're not even with Tom and Jerry. You're with like the human people. And you're like, I don't give a shit about your relationship. <laughs> I'm here they? for the mouse and cat. <laughs> are, are they famous people? Uh, the most famous people in the movie. Uh, I guess. Um, so it's Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. Who, okay. From Hit Girl. Yeah. She's all over the place. Um, Michael Pena, who you okay. know as the other guy uh, who's kind of like um, John Leguizamo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, observe and report. And then uh, old Colin Jost. Colin Jost. Colin Jost, yeah. (laughs) Colin Jost plays like our handsome male lead. Really? We're supposed to feel for. Um, Good for him. I'm glad he's getting work. Get get that money, man. You got a weird jaw. Yeah. (laughs) But um, so the story of it is that it's like a, a, a hotel and um, this girl, Chloe Grace Moretz's character, she, um, needs a job she's like a like a hustler ragamuffin sort of character okay. she at the beginning of the movie she like works for a um like a uh like a task rabbit sort of a thing mm-hmm. she's a gig economy she's worker. a gig economy worker and she gets fired from the task rabbit uh for fucking something up i don't remember what but she fucks something up and it's due to tom and jerry hijinks that she fucks it up so naturally their paths will cross again sure she goes to this hotel where apparently she's been like scamming people for years and the the doorman is like oh here to scam another person again (laughs) and she's like "Uh, you know me so well and then she goes in but then the scam that she pulls in this person she was gonna try to sell a person a like fake walking tour or something like that Mm -hmm. and then it turns out that like this woman is there to interview for a job and she tricks her into thinking that she's conducting the interview and then she steals her resume to then go get the job for herself. Okay. And the job is like wedding planner or assistant wedding planner. Sorry, assistant wedding planner for the wedding of Colin Jost and his unreasonably beautiful Indian bride to be. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, all of this is happening. Uh, Tom and Jerry, secondary to the plot, they really right. are not. Why they're are not, they? <laughs> they're not a big part of the story. Uh, Tom is homeless and looks really sad, and he plays piano in the in Central Park, right. uh, pretending to be blind, and he plays for change. And then there's a the I think possibly the only funny gag in the whole movie right at the beginning. <laughs> He um he gets in a fight with Jerry, who's trying to like steal some of the change and whatever, uh, by dancing in front of him, mm-hmm. and he like hits him a couple times, and then people notice and they're like, "Wait a second, that's not a blind cat, that's just a regular cat playing piano." <laughs> I want my money bag. Is that's like the funny ga- the funny gag, and then the rest of it's not funny. Anyway, he's homeless. He plays piano in the park. 
Jerry just moved to the city. He's being shown around by a mouse realtor who tells him, I'm sorry, Jerry, you just can't afford a nice place to live. Too poor to live in New York City. It's a tough city, man. It's You got to be like a billionaire mouse to live in, <laughs> in Midtown. Yeah. Why did you think you could come to Midtown and live in a hole? Yeah. So, um, so he's going to try to get money. And uh, he breaks Tom's piano somehow. Uh, and through this hijinks, they... they you know, get wrapped up with Chloe Grace Moretz, whatever. The point is this whole movie is like from the get go. It's like, it's, it's laden with economics. Like, it's just a weird thing to do to a movie where you're like, you're like, Hey kids, you know, these cartoon animals that you love so well, uh, (laughs) well, they have to make a living and they're, dying just yeah, like yeah, yeah. you like not just not like only are parents. they not only do they need to make a living like tom lives on the streets <laughs> he's a stray <laughs> he's in trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's the point of that i mean tom and jerry isn't like a like famously political no cartoon. not at all nope it, it's not trying to make, it's just getting hit with the uh, iron and yep snapping your finger on the mousetrap mm-hmm. like roadrunner shit so the whole story is basically about this girl lying her way into getting the wedding planner job and then she works as the wedding planner and then surprise everything, you know, crumbles and whatever. Sure. And uh what's crazy is that at the end of the movie, you know, everybody's been motivated by their economic circumstance. Uh at the end of the movie, the big payoff, the big like conclusion where you're supposed to be like, "Oh, a happy ending," is that the wedding isn't ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Jost's oh. wedding isn't ruined. Oh, isn't what that great? What happens to Chloe Moretz? Does she get Chloe, the job? Chloe or? gets a permanent position at the hotel, even though she lied on her resume. Tom and Jerry, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happens to them? They don't get a conclusion. Oh, my God. Yeah, this guy has almost never made a good movie. What else has he made? Tim Story. Tim, Tim Story is the guy who directed the the Fantastic Four and the Rise Woof. of the, those two. He did Barbershop, which I like, and then uh-huh. Taxi with Jimmy Fallon, um, and then everything else. Think all these. Think like a man. Think like a man. Ride along one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, pretty rough. The 2019 Shaft, <laughs> which I'm sure no one saw. Um, yeah. So yeah. Pretty rough. Absolutely garbage movie. Uh, don't watch it. The animation sucks. That's the worst part of all. That's is that really you watch sad, it and you're yeah. like the animation looks. It, you know what it looks like is um, Wind Waker. It looks like Wind Waker, <laughs> but like, like put into even, real life. Not even remastered Wind Waker. Like yeah, no, no, no. It looks like the Wind Waker. But but you're trying to pass it off like it's Roger Rabbit. You know what I mean? Like Roger Rabbit has like rich detailed really beautiful animation that's put into real life and with actors who are are acting like they're around a cartoon right you know in in this movie you have these like stiff weird computer 2d things that look like garbage and then everybody's acting like they're in front of a fucking fire hydrant nobody's (laughs) acting like there's an animal there God, sounds fucking awful. Really, really sucks. A twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I will not watch it. Awful. Uh, the other movie I wanted to talk about, and I will talk very briefly about this, okay. is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I watched it. Oh yes. And my friends, uh, comrades, uh, people of all all ages, uh, 
watch it. It's so good. It's really <laughs> fucking good. And it's really based. And it is. I'm not joking when I say that. Like, I know there's people out there who want to have that take where they're like, they fucking whitewashed it and they took away his communism and whatever. I don't fucking believe it. I don't know how you watch this movie as an adult human being. And we're like, they fucking toned him down too much. The <laughs> most like epic heroic point of the movie where he like, he gets out of jail, right? It, it's like the first time he's jailed and he gets out of jail and he's like back at the meeting and they're literally like chanting his name as he comes up the stairs, banging on the walls. It's like a fucking hero shot from a football movie. And he goes up on the stage and they like, cut the sound and his speech is literally you know like look i don't want you guys killing a cop okay don't kill a cop kill every cop (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's like yes (laughs) like that's that's like the level of politics that they're willing to put into this movie and 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 mind you there's no point in this movie where like there could have been a point where like somebody is like Oh, but the cops are people too. They never oh, do yeah. it. No, no, and in no. fact, they even set you up for the moment where they could do it. And there's like a, a cop who's like injured and on the ground. And he's like, please, please, I have a family. I have kids. Don't do this. Don't do this. And a panther literally just like gleefully ends him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and sounds the movie never presents fun. this as being bad. <laughs> well, that sounds very fun. I- I've been really looking forward to this movie since. Well, I've been like half looking forward and dreading it mm. um i'm i it seems like everyone agrees that it's good like it's regardless good. regardless of politics mm. like some i've heard some people have like historical or like political critiques which is like sure i'm interested in hearing them but like is it gonna be a good movie because it's like this you know i don't i'm sort of of the belief that like movies aren't going to do anything like right. is it going to be fun and am i going to like feel I-, I like a movie to make me feel like i guess like resonated with my own beliefs you know like mm-hmm. that it's nice when that happens like i don't like to see some yeah. like clear r- right-wing propaganda um so if it is nicely left-wing propaganda and uh, also a good movie that's even it's better truly truly a very good movie even you know even if it wasn't as based as it is it <laughs> is a very good movie as well uh the the performances are are unreal uh both uh daniel kaluuya and uh lakeith sanfield are Incredible. fucking great I mean, they're, they're both amazing so, people, they're both yeah. like such monster talents already but then like in this movie in particular they really just like put it all out there they both do a really great job uh the only thing the critique that i've heard of it that i do actually really give a lot of credit to and and do believe to be true is that even though they both are so incredible in this movie they're both way too old and it's oh it's yeah kind of a they bummer were like 20s <laughs> yeah well well yeah so um uh fred hampton was 21 uh, yeah, when he was when he shot died. by the cops. And the guy who Lakeith Stanfield is playing is supposed to be like 17. <laughs> and they're both like in their 30s. Yeah, they're both in their 30s. Um, and I mean, they both do an incredible job, but it's like part of what's so crazy about the story is like that that the FBI like moved mountains to make this happen to fucking execute a 21-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> 
They and that's the other thing too, by the way, around. is that like <laughs> this movie makes no bones about it. There's no part of this movie where they're like, and you know, like some people think it happened a different way. Oh, like good. they straight up are just like, no, the FBI did that shit. Like the <laughs> FBI did it. It is provable. It's evidential. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad that that is not a bad movie and I'm glad it doesn't make any bones about that. So yeah. I'm definitely going to watch me, it. I'm, it makes me think that like part of it is that the, the COVID you know, like I had talked to you about this uh, in text recently that like it sucks that this didn't get a theatrical release because not I only know. is it a great movie, but also it's like the only people who are getting to watch this are middle class white people with HBO Max. Like the the people of color who should be seeing this in the summer of Black Lives Matter, like the summer of the, the Floyd uprising, like should have peaked when yeah. people saw this movie in a movie theater and then ripped the fucking chairs out of the theater right. and then went out into the street. But like That's you said, what this movie deserves. <laughs> but like you said, if the COVID didn't happen, would the protests have happened? Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but in any event, uh, I have to imagine that part of why this is so based and why the politics are so good in this movie is that they knew it wasn't getting a theatrical release and they knew it wouldn't be dangerous to show this so that they were like, you know, like, we're not going to, like, watch over your shoulder quite as much. We're we're going to let you put in the speech where Fred Hampton says, kill all cops, get 100% satisfaction, or whatever the line is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've read a lot of his speeches, and they're crazy. Like, yeah. absolute fire stuff. Um, yeah. I highly recommend reading them, especially... And they, um, and they, like, they imply in the movie that he's riffing most of the time. He is. He's just... He's read and educated and knows what he's talking about. Absolutely uh, unreal. He has a famous speech called It's a cl- it's Class Warfare, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, ho- I'm hoping there's snippets of that in the movie. I'm not sure if there is, but... Yeah. So, uh, what yeah, what I did you watched, What did you watch? Speaking of animation that is lightly based. Mm. Um, I watched the new Disney film, Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, with the with the bendy sword. Yes, with the bendy sword. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched the trailer for this maybe back before quarantine. I don't really remember. Um, but I, did, I didn't, like, realize it was out until this week, or maybe it came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I was excited for it just because the animation looked so sick. Um, and it is. So I like Disney movies. As you know, I'm, I'm a big animation fan. So I well, was, this isn't Pixar? No, no, no. This is regular, like Frozen Disney. Yeah, Rego Disney. Rego gotcha. Disney. The, the, the vanilla Disney. Um, <laughs> and Unmodded. This, <laughs> yeah, a virgin. Uh, uh, and so... What is the word I'm thinking? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Disney uh, did this movie called Rhea and the Last Dragon. And it's sort of like Southern Asian amalgamation. It's like a fictional universe where dragons exist. And okay. there's this five kingdom land that split apart after this plague happened. It's weird because there's a plague in this movie that turns everyone into stone. Um, okay. The story is very strange. It's like an info dump right at the beginning where it's like there's a big plague and the dragons came together and they uh, made the plague go away. But is they... it a voiceover of like an old man? No, no, it's it's a shit. I don't remember. I think it's her. It's the mm. it's Rhea. Um, and then they turn themselves to stone in the process. Um, okay. And they so the dragons have been gone for 500 years or whatever. 
And in that process, the humans have like divided up the, the, the country into five kingdoms. Um, and the, the thing is shaped like a dragon's fang tail, you know, whatever. Um, and heart and she's from heart and there's this glowy stone that is in heart that does something and no one knows that it does. And so, uh, but her dad is trying to get all the kingdoms to come back together and be like one country again, like all, you know, unite them uh, in something of a Soviet, if you will. Mm, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. and, uh, nobody else wants that. So during this like summit where he invites all of the countries to come and like be one country again, one of the, one of the countries Fang tries to steal the glowing orb and mm. it breaks and shatters. Those fangs. They're always yeah, trying to do that. They're always trying to do that. And they um They're genetically ki- predisposed to theft. It's kind of Rhea's <laughs> fault. Um and what it happens is it brings back the plague. Um oh. so they think it like makes them because it's implied that like Fang and like a couple of the other nations like don't have enough food and are like living in like mild poverty. Right. So they think like they're getting like all this benefit from the thing, but all it was doing is keeping the plague away. So the plague mm-hmm. comes back and everybody turns into stone again. And like everyone, like no one is not affected. Like basically everyone you meet has like family who turned to stone. Um, so Rhea has spent the past six years of her life searching the whole country for a dragon, the one dragon right. that's supposedly still around. And then she finds him and then they start a collaboration to get all the pieces of that little stone uh, and put them back together and save everybody and unite the country again. Yeah, I'm looking at this dragon. I gotta say, <laughs> there is gonna be some furry porn oh, yeah. of this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's also Aquafina plays the dragon. Oh great. So, <laughs> um, but the dragon is. Oh, funny. interesting. Okay, I thought the dragon was a guy. It's a girl dragon. Interesting. Um, and she's really funny. It's a really cute movie. So I think mm. I think the thing is is that the movie works on like regular Disney level where like the dragon is funny, the world is very serious and thought out. Um and then there's like a lot of like emotional depth with her father and like who's turned to stone and um and I thought it was really nice. Also the uh the animation is really like inspired by um in certain places is inspired by the Into the Spider-Verse. There's yeah. like a lot of like, someone will be like, what if we do this? And it'll cut to like a different animation Ooh. style that is like all like more 2D looking. Mm. A lot of cool You know, animation. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Lots of really cool animation stuff. Um, it's like cute and funny. Um, but I was really surprised. I was like, how are they going to make this about like compromise? And how are they going to make this about like, um, you know, we should have had, like, it's okay for us to have had the heart the whole time or whatever, you know, like, right, right, um, right. but politically it ends up being pretty, like, you can't have any that you can't have any of that. Like mm-hmm. you all have to trust each other and work together and like distribute things equally or else you're fucked. And like, it was a mistake for you to have it, but you didn't even know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it ends up, being lightly like politically better than I thought it was going to be. Cause I was just thinking I saw frozen two, which has like this weird, like, um, imperialism apologia. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never seen either of them now. Oh, frozen is good. Um, but it's like royalty is fine. And like, we're never going to question that. Mm. Um, and then this movie is sort of the opposite of that. So I thought it was actually pretty nice. Um, in terms of, 
I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't go like royalty is fine, like Frozen 2 did. Right. Um, but other than that, it's just a really pretty nice Disney movie. I thought I thought it was better than Frozen 2. Where did you watch it? Oh, you downloaded it, didn't you? But where can I watch? Oh, Disney I'll, Plus. Ugh. I'll throw it on the Plex. Yeah, put, throw it on the Plex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a cute movie if you like Disney movies. Yeah, I'd like to watch that. That sounds very nice. Yeah. All right, let's get into the movie of the week. Let's talk about it, folks. Uh, it came up last week on the bonus episode. If you're not behind the paywall, you'll never know how it came up. That's right. So, but basically, you get back there. <laughs> should get, maybe get a little back there. But basically what happened was that I found out that Jeremy hadn't seen Galaxy Quest. And if you're listening to this, you will know that Galaxy Quest is an incredible film. Uh, it came out in 1999. It's directed by Dean Perchot? Parasot. Parasot. Um, It stars Tim Allen and Alan Rickman and all these Sigourney Weaver. Um, And he has not done very much. Nope. He did Home Fries and this and then a couple of other little gems, but like nothing. Fun with Dick and Jane for everyone who saw that one. (laughs) I didn't actually see that one. Uh, But that has Jim Carrey. What about Red 2? (laughs) I don't know. My parents like that movie. Bill and Ted Face the Music. People who like Bill and Ted told me that was a good movie. So he like does like, you know, he's just like a, a getter done kind of thing. Like he has, yeah, yeah, he yeah. lets things like be. So uh, this movie came out in 1999. And um, what it is, is a movie in which not Star Trek, but a different show called Galaxy Quest exists. Um, it's basically Star Trek. Just pretend that it's Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the actors from that movie are long washed up, but Galaxy Quest conventions still go on. And they book those, you know, appearances and they sign stuff for their insane Questy fans. Questifarians? I don't remember what they call them. Yeah. So, um, but the Questies love Galaxy Quest. And everyone besides Tim Allen, who was the Shatner character, basically hates their life and don't have that much money, it doesn't seem. Um, yeah. Until one day... Uh, these real aliens <laughs> um, come down to Earth and ask Tim Allen slash William Chandler to come up to their spaceship and fix their problems. Um, Tim Allen agrees, not knowing that it's not a show, it's not a it's not a gig, but actually yeah, it's real a actual aliens. And he d- what we kind of find out over the next like bit of the movie is that like. These aliens have been receiving delayed transmissions of Earth television, which is a it's a plot device that's been used a fair amount. So you're you're probably familiar with the idea. Uh, but they've been receiving these transmissions and they do not have in their society a concept of fiction. They yeah, don't understand the idea that something couldn't be real. So they're seeing these and they're like, oh, these are like textbooks it's, that we're getting. It's literally just if Star Trek had a cargo cult and then they asked the actual cast of star trek to do an episode of star trek in real space right um and that's what happens they all and go that's what up happens. there they, they all go up there and then they do it and uh a lot of stuff happens uh in the adventure portion a, of the movie it's a fantastic it's a great adventure. adventure yeah and, and then, then in the end everybody is uh fulfilled and they come back to earth and yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Right. So we'll we'll probably get into the a lot of the details. Yeah, we'll get but into the details. First as we I go. just want to know what did you think of it? Yeah, so um I'd never seen this before. I never knew anything about it. I think I'd maybe seen like a, a trailer poster. for it or a poster <laughs> or something. It's not something that had ever been on my radar even a little bit. Gotta say, uh perfect movie. 
10 out of 10 uh, all the every every little piece of popcorn in the theater going straight into bags to give to this one uh, I was so happy when you said that so much love this movie I would I would love to watch it again very soon personally yes. Uh, did not expect to. I didn't. I really like even seeing it and talking about it last week. I was like, all right, this will be like fun, but it'll probably be one of those ones that's like, like a, that thing you do, or a, yeah, um, or like it's, it's like clouded in nostalgia, and like I'll watch it. And I'll be like, okay, I can see how like when you were a kid, you really liked this, and now it means something to you or whatever. It really it. I cannot recommend enough, it uh, folks. If you want up. like a if you want like a nice fun watch. That's just like bulletproof, you know, like dolphin ass tight, like just <laughs> really just watch this. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about this movie is I saw this movie not in the theater, but when it I don't think I'm not sure. But when it came out, mm-hmm. um, you know, on uh, if maybe not in the theater, but definitely um, like, on like on VHS, VHS yeah, or something, yeah, in yeah. Blockbuster, um, loved the hell out of it because I think what this movie does and what I really wanted to say. Okay. So I hadn't seen this movie since college. So I haven't seen, Mm -hmm. I hadn't watched it in over a decade. And I like, (laughs) if you listen to the bonus episode where this comes up, I'm like, Oh, you gotta watch it. And then I hesitate and I'm like, I think (laughs) because because there was like a sense for me that I was like going to recommend this movie and then be like, Oh, it did it age poorly. I don't really remember. Um, So watching it, the uh, only thing that ages poorly in this is the graphics don't look so hot. But even he, they're not terrible. Even they're, they're not, really ter- not terrible. I mean, like Stan Winston does the all of the like actual non CGI stuff, like mm-hmm. famed Stan Winston. Uh, yeah, yeah so- that stuff looks excellent. But there's like shit like uh, Tim Allen in the jelly looks like ass, like yeah, that sort the, of stuff. The you're rock like, monster. Yeah, you're like, all right, this kind of looks like uh, like shit. But um, early two thousands, like you know, yeah. what are you gonna do? Like it's it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but I was just I I was so happy that I was watching it and it was really just basically hitting all the notes I thought it, and and what I mean by that is the the chemistry between the ensemble of actors is you know top tier like it's really good yeah alan rickman and tim allen and sigourney weaver and sam rockwell mm-hmm. and tony shalhoub like sam, Ro- sam rockwell is really fantastic <laughs> tony shalhoub is the star of this movie for yes. me tony shalhoub <laughs> is so fucking good in this <laughs> he's amazing he's he seems like so i guess okay um I guess what happened with this movie. Okay. So I watched this movie and then I was so jazzed that I liked it still. And it's still a great film that I watched a 2019 documentary called never surrender. Um, that was just about this movie. And it's this like is a fan documentary sort of thing. It's a fan documentary, but they interview everybody, like every okay. actor, the director, the producer, like it's just everyone recollecting how the movie got made and some of the stuff that was uh, a problem. And like, that the post like just the everything it was it was sort of what happened was is like at the end of the movie rugrats the movie come out <laughs> mm. and they were like well we have to compete with this for some reason and so we have to take all the swearing out um it was supposed to be a pg-13 sort of teen comedy like it's a very middle it's kind of difficult to explain what this movie is because it didn't really exist like if you Watch this movie yeah. now, you realize, oh, this movie basically set the tone for the entire Marvel franchise. 
Sure. I was like, going to say, <laughs> I was going to say what you'd recognize this as now watching it, at least how I recognize it personally is this is like a sci-fi version of Shaun of the Dead. Right. Like sure. you'd like it in the same way where you're like, this is not only a very funny and very, you know, like spot on, you know, uh, analysis and deconstruction and, and parody and whatever you want to call it of the genre that it is, but it also is an exemplary, you know, perfect, you know, version of the genre itself. Like yeah. it, it, it is like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's at once being funny and also being like, oh, but you are still really invested in how the story is playing out. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, they say in the movie, like the the director wanted to take it s- very seriously because the they had Harold Ramis signed on to do this movie. Oh, like, really? Like for most of it, like they got. They Who was like, he going to be? No, 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 to direct it. Oh, what? Yeah. So it was going to be a straight up spoof, you know, like a very Yo, goofy, hell yeah. Like that's like yeah. I I can see how it would have been. I mean, it wouldn't be the same movie, but uh-uh. like that would kind of rule too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, but he was just like, they weren't, he couldn't get the actors he wanted. He really kind of felt like he didn't understand how to do the script really. Cause he wanted it to be funnier. Um, and so he dropped out like months before, like they were already in pre-production and he dropped out. And so that's why it's Dean who the producer is just a big fan of Vince Gilligan and this guy, who were like a team at the time because he mm-hmm. had directed Home Fries, which is Vince Gilligan's first film. So it has this very, he was like, I want to do it very seriously. Like I want to, I want to take the fans seriously. I want to take the plight of the aliens seriously. And like, I want it to have moments of like real emotion. Um, and no one understood what that was because no one right. had, if you think about it, like this was basically the first movie that had, like this meta thing where it was like the fans actually care about this thing. You and the audience are the person who cares about it. And that's you on screen because you're yeah. supposed to be Brandon. You it's know? a little bit like, um, I think a, a predecessor to this would be like scream, but scream is yeah. different. Like scream is like scream is uh, like a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's also like, I mean, it's a little more like cruel to the fans, yeah, I think, yeah. than this. This loves the fans exactly. in the way that Shaun of the Dead does. This, like, like this really <laughs> loves that you're a sci-fi fan and it wants to it wants to make you happy at the same time as being like, but you're also kind of a dummy for liking this sort of <laughs> trope or whatever. Yeah, it's like you get what like it's not real. But you kind of, you know, you want it to be. And in this situation, it's like fan service, but for a meta fan service. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really clever in the way it does that and really makes you feel something for everybody in the movie. And I think so. There's a story in the documentary that Steven Spielberg, because it's DreamWorks, right? Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg visited the set once. And the day he visited the set, they were filming the scene where Malthazar is being tortured. Oh, wow. And Tim Allen is like, so there's a scene where the bad guy uh, in the movie uh, who's trying to kill their entire species, he's basically like a fascist who's trying to do an ethnocide. Um, He is, he finally captures everybody basically and is torturing sort of the main alien. And Tim Allen is forced to tell him that he lied to them. Like the, all of the historical documents that he thought were the show, you know, that he thought were real is fake. And right. it's an incredibly weirdly 
emotional scene in the move in the middle of this like very goofy movie. Yeah. Um, and Tim Partly Allen, because you're watching the guy get tortured. Like, yeah, he's yeah. literally being tortured. Uh huh. And uh, and Steven Spielberg watches Tim Allen do this scene and like is just like, wow, Tim Allen can fucking act. <laughs> um, and he's like, this is great. I'm so excited to see this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and it's weird because I don't think Tim Allen has ever done this again. Like he's just all of a sudden like has a couple of these little scenes where he's just like really earnestly acting. And yeah. it's like apparently was so uncomfortable for him. He was like asked to stop and go to his trailer. <laughs> and Alan Rickman was like, oh, it looks like he's just experienced acting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think that this is a movie that has really a lot of empathy for its subjects and 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 for its for the thing that it's sending up which is a stupid show from the 60s that means a lot to people you know (laughs) right um i think something that i really enjoyed in this movie too just like even getting away from genre altogether and just talking about this strictly as a movie Mm -hmm. on its own uh like the 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 chemistry between the actors is really good but the other thing that i really like is each of them as an individual performance they all really take seriously like what their motivation is in the story. Right. I was really, really impressed by this because it's like, it's very easy for an ensemble of actors who are in a goofy thing to be like, okay, so we're all, you know, one of us is the one who like wants to do it. And then everybody else is like, Oh brother, come on, (laughs) man. Like, you know, it's very easy to do that and to milk jokes out of that. But each individual character in this has their own response to the situation that they're in, right? Yeah. And and it makes sense because it's like these aren't schlubs who are in this movie. I mean, like I mean, Alan Tim Rickman. Allen is maybe the schlubbiest one of them, but I mean it's like Sigourney Weaver is a real ass actor. <laughs> Alan Rickman, even bigger real ass actor. <laughs> like real people are in this movie. Yeah. And a lot but a lot of them like got their like there's a ton of people in this who like got their start. Like Sam Rockwell had I think never been in a movie before. Uh-huh. Um which is so funny because he's also like the guy who asks to go along and then regrets it because he was like the background crewman number six on one show one episode like a million years ago and fucking tony shalhoub is like a stage actor for for most of his career (laughs) yeah um and then uh let's see rain wilson is in this for like a hot rain wilson's randomly in it yeah um the girl alien i forget her her name but she goes on to do a lot of fun stuff yeah justin long is in it oh yeah justin long is the kid who has basically been in almost nothing yeah um so yeah it's full of people sort of getting their break and then uh, just knocking it out of the park knocking out of the park but the the big joke like the big the big thing that i wanted to talk about is like that each of them, like like Tim Allen, you know, he's like, like the situation they're put into, right, is that they are actors from Earth who are put into a real life situation where there are aliens and there are life and death stakes for not only themselves, but also for a whole species of, of aliens, right? And, and yeah. they're responding to it how they respond to it, right? And it's like Tim Allen is like all for it because he's like all for the glory of it, right? Yeah. And he kind of sees himself as a bit of a wash up, but he's also and he's like, this is my path to like feeling like not a wash up again. I want to be back to feeling on top of the world. This is how I do it. And then like um, 
like Sigourney Weaver is like, this is stupid. This is so dangerous. Get us out of here. And like Alan Rickman is like halfway between the two where he's like, he's like, this is stupid and dangerous, but also I kind of want glory. But he like, also I has wanna, like nothing like, else to live for. He also exactly. has nothing else to live for because he's so miserable at that point. But the best, the best response in the whole movie, of course, is Tony Shalhoub, who is who just, just is like, he's just game. <laughs> he is game, not for glory, not for anything except he's just like, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so the, his character is weird because kind of doesn't make any sense in this in it, like in how game he is mm-hmm. um but there's a couple shots in the movie where you kind of get a sense that there was a version of this movie where he's smoking weed the whole movie that makes um, sense and like so the shot I'd, I'd never noticed this one until this last time i watched it but the two things that um when tony shalhoub does the rock thing like and he transports the rock into the the bad aliens right. yeah yeah, yeah. There's a shot where they turn around the, all the bad aliens and they're holding a joint and there's smoke. Whoa. There's smoke in that scene. And then they just all get like crushed to death. Um, uh-huh. And then like Sam Rockwell turns to Tony Shalhoub and he's like, are you high? And the, it's like under the, it's like under his breath, but like there must've been a whole scene where he like smokes with the aliens, but yeah. it's like not in the movie. <laughs> um, there's a couple little things like that where you can tell that it was supposed to be PG-13 or R. Right. Um, also when, Sigourney Weaver says fuck that and it's like clearly fuck but she says screw that Mm -hmm. um a couple different things like that um but I think I like it better that he's not high though I like it better (laughs) that he's just this weird guy who's just like hey so I did this thing and I think it worked (laughs) they're telling me why don't you check it out (laughs) the power just can't hold so uh (laughs) (laughs) you might want to consider that yeah (laughs) just like such a great delivery just FYI (laughs) He truly is a is a national treasure. Like after watching this, I'm like, I gotta go watch Monk. All of I've Monk. never seen yeah. Monk. I've oh, never really? seen any of it. No. Oh, I loved that show growing up. I watched. What is it, it about? What it's about a private detective who is OCD, and okay. that's the whole premise. But he's like really OCD, like mm-hmm. can't be touched, and like all of his stuff has to be exactly. It's like yeah. a, a little bit of a movie version of OCD, but um, he like touches every single. You know, he's like right, right. Um. So he's like, it's basically like Sherlock, but more neurotic, you know, like where he's just like, no, wait, that wasn't there because if that like that has to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, um, he's really good on um, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, really? I've never seen that. It's an otherwise like, OK, show I watch it because I'm like committed to it at this point. I'm like in the plot. But like he is like the he should be the star of that show it should not be about mrs <laughs> mazel should be about him he's the best uh absolute national treasure fantastic actor right um he does so good and everyone does so good. but i do love his him and sam rockwell like sam rockwell just wants to be included and then like has a existential crisis that he like doesn't actually matter and like he's just gonna die in real life because he's never actually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. well <laughs> this is a thing that i realized uh gets redone in uh the venture brothers a lot where oh, yeah. there's like somebody who has like some cosmic sense of like what character they are in the story <laughs> and like just lives their life by that and then he's like no but you don't you don't understand like you saying like you guys don't know my last name and then they're like sure we do and he's like no but now if you know it now it's just you know now it's just something that you say when i die you know <laughs> yeah um, um and i feel like this movie was definitely so yeah so and then the last 
thing that I wanted to say. Oh, That's no, where I know him from, Daryl Mitchell. I was trying to, like, I was watching the movie. I'm like, where the fuck do I know Daryl Mitchell from? Like, Who's who that? is that guy? He's the young, he's the kid who's clearly just there because like they needed a young person. So it's not an entirely old cast. Oh, um, um, Laredo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, he's so funny too. Yeah. He's Holbrook in uh Sergeant Bilko. He's the main character. Yes. Yes. He's yeah. not the main character, but he's close. Yeah. He's the, I mean, he's like our, he's the Marty McFly. Yeah. Tommy is really great. I love him too. Him sort of like, I like some of the conceits of this movie where it's just like they built the entire ship. At, by watching the show right so y- you can actually do this because it's just whatever you made up on the show right yeah, yeah. It's how this thing works. Ship. yeah so it's you've already done like that sort of like world building i just love about this movie and then the thing that's one thing i love about this movie is like it's such a great premise such a great actors everybody's doing a great job and then they come in at the right at the end of the movie and introduce this other great idea where they haven't talked about it in a long time but he switches his real like intergalactic walkie-talkie with a fan (laughs) at the beginning of the movie and then like right at the end pay that off in like the best way where he calls this kid on on his walkie-talkie and he's like i need to find this thing in real like Everything that you love is real, first of right. all. And I need your help. I'm the captain you love. I need your help actually doing an adventure in the bowels of the ship. And then he has like all of the schematics of the ship and like yeah, that and actually and really like matters. he almost fucks them because he has to take out the garbage. Yeah. That's really, really funny. Because <laughs> the, the, his mother doesn't give a shit about what's actually happening because she thinks it's fake. Um, yeah. And I, have, I really appreciate too that he... Um, that the way that they reintroduce that isn't some sly sort of like writery thing where it's just like, you know, he like overhears something on it or whatever. Like the dog is like fucking licking it or something oh, stupid yeah. like that. Tim Allen like, is just like, wait, what? The thing from earlier in the movie. Like, yeah. I like that he just is like, he just, you sly little devil. You had that in your head the whole time. You knew you had that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Tim Allen is just like, I'll call my, the little guy who knows yeah, everything. Yeah. Like he just <laughs> knew. He was like, "Hey, in case I need anything, there's this kid on the other end who knows all the stuff." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which you know you should have remembered. But even at the, it's like it always surprises me at the end when that like holes. And then they just like it's such a fun idea to be like, "What if a Star Trek fan could help out these people?" And then right. he like does, and then they milk it for all it's worth, and then it's over. Um, yeah. It's. Beautiful. And then everybody gets like a really nice ending where it's like, it's not stupid where it's like, and then they go off into space and no, they no. become heroes in real life. <laughs> they go back to Earth. They go back to regular life where they are still kind of wash ups, yeah. but they get like an awesome, you know, fucking entrance into a sci fi convention and they get to come out and be like, look at us. We rule. Look at this crazy thing we crashed in here. By the way, very pre 9 11. Oh, yeah. Movie, <laughs> very pre 9 11. I did not think about that, but yeah. Uh, they crashed a spaceship into a building yeah. and it's fine through a city center yeah. into a building they like throw cars all over the place and whatever <laughs> yeah and then but the, the 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 moral of the movie is that they have exactly what they already had and they love it now yeah you know they they don't get to be actual space you know adventurers they they're like hey we saved your 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 ship we went on a real adventure and we actually appreciate all these people because i think like the turning point of the movie is when so 
Alan Rickman, his like whole character has this tagline by Grathar's hammer, I will avenge you or whatever. It's a right. stupid line that he hates, but everyone else loves that he they're constantly saying to him and uh, he doesn't like it. And then at the end of the movie, like there's this moment where someone who looked up to him like like a father figure is literally dying and he like in that moment understands how much it would mean to him to say his stupid line and then alec rickman a shakespearean performer puts like (laughs) everything he has into this stupid like sci-fi line and then like fulfills this person's entire life by saying this line and i think i think the point of the movie is that like no matter how silly what you're making is, like if you watch something like this, it can give people a language to express stuff they didn't have before. And this is the thing mm-hmm. about stories and movies in general is that like humans love stories and we absolutely need them. And it's like there's all of this stuff about like, well, we live in a capitalist hell world, so all of our stories suck. And so the fandom of those things suck. Right. Um, but like, fandom itself and like coming together and loving a story is like a hundred percent human and you can't take that away from people completely so there's this weird like thing where people are just like anti-sincerity and anti-liking things um but that's that's stupid too um and i think what this movie does before all of the sort of like cynical co-optation of this kind of thing happens where there's like basically rip off scenes from this movie in Marvel movies now. Um, but, Oh, you haven't even seen the Marvel movies. So you don't even yeah, know, don't how know what deeply you're talking this about. Yeah. So there's like in the original Avengers, there's a character who's just like a fan of the Avengers and has like play, like collectible cards of like the Avengers. Um, right. Oh, like, I do remember that because we ha- watched the Avengers for this. Right. But later on he like dies and like, it's all sort of ripped off from certain things like this. Um, but I think this movie really kind of honestly is like, it's fun to care about these things. And this is why these things can be important. Yeah. And like, you know, and the people who create them (laughs) are allowed to have their space and like allowed to not be fully invested in what you're invested in, but sometimes they can appreciate it as well. Yeah, there, it reminded me of a very funny story that Jordan told me a very long time ago about going to a premiere of a Dragon Ball Z movie. He and Drew had like gone <laughs> to see the premiere of like one of the, the Dragon Ball Super movies when they were first coming out. And he said that there was like a panel with some of the voice actors beforehand and somebody asked the Piccolo voice actor like some really intense, you know, like technical question about the 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 move or whatever. And the Piccolo voice actor's like look like it's just a it's a, just a cartoon like i just am the voice <laughs> of the guy and like jordan said like he heard this kid next to him just go like if he answers another question like that i'm gonna flip <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you want them to be in, as invested in the thing that you, yeah because you know, they, they are got, the thing they got to be in the thing yeah they yeah. got to create the thing and you're just trying to appreciate it and i think that like fundamental disconnect it's funny because the documentary i watched about this movie like had will wheaton in it and mm-hmm. i think a couple other people from uh star trek the next generation um 
and like talking about how oh brett spiner is in it too who plays data um and like they're just talking about how how insane this movie was for them to watch like their lives right. <laughs> like and like kind of helped them understand like oh it's really important to people and we like really helped like people understand things about their own life and like they just want to like they just want to thank us for that um and like that made them feel really good um so i think it's in- it's a really interesting movie that i think was way ahead of its time in tone like the whole movie's yeah. an exercise in tone like in being an insane premise that doesn't take itself too seriously, but seriously enough that when someone dies, you're actually like, oh, wow, this is yeah, a serious yeah, life yeah. and death situation. Um, weird movie. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Really bizarre, really unique, absolute must watch treasure for anybody like if you like (laughs) if you like Shaun of the dead you'll like this that's really as simple as it is if you like Shaun of the dead you like this if you like sci-fi you'll like this if you like fun 90s adventure stuff it feels very 90s at times but not so much so that it's like overbearing and stupid like it it's it's a really fantastic movie and i really uh wholeheartedly recommend people watch it I recommend it too. Uh, this movie was one of those things that I feel like I've been evangelizing for most of my life. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I feel like I constantly run into people who just were like, uh, was that like a kid's movie from the night? You know, like it seems like it's going to be a kid's movie. When you look at the picture, especially you're like, this is going to be a kid's movie. and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people, you either, this is one of those movies where you either, or like something weird, like um, like Earth Girls are easy, or like um, some <laughs> shit quirky, like that. Goofy yeah. shit. But it's like this is either a movie where you talk to someone, like, have you ever seen Galaxy Quest? And they either say, "What is that? I've never even heard of it," or it's one of their favorite movies. Um, because I think that for someone who grew up, you know, especially if you grew up around in the two thousands or the nineties, like someone who was a big fan of something, like you that you will understand this experience and this uh all of these feelings about it and i think it's great i think it's an incredible film yeah highly recommend okay well thanks so much for listening hope you enjoyed our conversation about galaxy quest if you'd like to hear more of our conversations go to uh general uh, patreon.com slash generation loss uh to hear all the bonus episodes um you can get access to the discord where we um, screen the movies. Don't tell anybody about that. Yeah. Um, and By the uh, way, it's weekly bonus episodes. I feel like we never spell it oh. out enough, but it's, it is weekly bonus episodes. Is that you not get, obvious? <laughs> you got two episodes a week, and uh, we, we talk about movie news that's happening in real life. In real life. Uh, yes, um, we talk about the movie news. Uh, other than that, you can follow me at Kinematography. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Uh, follow the show at Gen Lost Pod. Um, yeah, you get the bonus episodes and you get the Discord, and we will see you there. See you next time. Bye.